Hello everyone, I'm Matt Berry. And this is the third episode of a series of conversations with Jean-Michel Jarre at his studio in Paris. Today, we'll be talking about playing live. Okay, so obviously with any big chart success, there's going to be some pressure to play live, which you did in quite a spectacular way in Place de la Concorde. So how did that come about? Actually, I was quite intrigued by the, uh, and I was also questioning and wondering how how I could perform this music with uh, the instruments I had in my kitchen. And uh, because they, they, I mean, you can understand that uh, how exciting and cool it could be to play in the rock bands, in jazz, because you have instruments made for performances. And then actually in history of instruments, musical instruments have been made and designed for playing instruments and, and sharing music with people. And then we put these instruments in studio, put mics on them, and then they had a second life with uh, recording music, uh, recording music. Uh, with uh, electronic synthesizers, electronic music is the same, is exactly the reverse. These instruments have been created and had their, their pr first life in studios, in laboratories. And then how can you make them cool on stage. Yeah. That was a, a real question mark that uh, I wanted to try to solve. And then I, I, I thought that it could be, of course, very interesting to try to think about uh, opera, opera as an art form, where th these people, great, great uh, composers, were, were suddenly involved in a totally different kind of art form involving carpenters and paint, uh, painters and uh, scenographs. I mean, all the visual, visual kind of... Uh, people. And then I said, maybe it could be interesting to do that with the technology of my time by involving video artists or, or, or working with people in the graphic world. And also because I always, and, and these days I was really convinced with the idea that for me, rock and jazz were made for clubs and, and indoor areas where you plug your, almost your body into a, an electric plug in the wall and then getting the energy straight like this, where electronic music being used and for me being uh, linked with kind of soundscapes and landscapes like oxygen also linked with the environment and, and all these kind of uh, ideas. I said the place of electronic music, I think it would be more outdoor. And also for another reason is because in these days you had no place to play electronic music. You either had some kind of uh, halls, theaters made for rock, jazz, or theater. Yeah. You would have also some, um, the first arenas uh, where you had uh, not designed for music, but not, but more made for, uh, I don't know, uh, where on Monday you had uh, Toyota doing a meeting, and then on Tuesday you have a boxing game, and then on Wednesday you have a political party doing a kind of uh, meeting, and then you play on Thursday in some very strange, within strange vibes in this kind of uh, yeah. non-environment. And then I said, okay, it would be interesting to try to, to explore the way of uh, going, hijacking a place and, and doing a concert like a one-off. Mm. And that's coming probably from my major influence when I was a kid of a circus, with a circus in front of my grandparents' home where I was fascinated by these people going from one, one street, going from one, one side of the street just doing their show and following 
following by the other side of the street in the following in the following morning mm. and then that that is something that uh, i i um, for me it was the ulti- ultimate form of performance that uh, where where you, where where you have the no second chance for the uh, for the performers and for the audience uh, you can you can't have a second chance the following saturday or yeah. next week so this this all different reasons made me to to try to uh, get to experiment and then i got this uh, kind of offer to do a concert um, for the Bastille Day, National Day in France for the uh, and the uh, outdoor. And, and I, I said it could be interesting to try to do something, concert Place de la Concorde. And the mayor of Paris, what was a Chirac at that time, accepted that. He said, oh yes, okay, let's do that. And then it was totally uh, improvised and experimented. So I, I was in contact with people I really loved. They are not around for a long time now. They, the, their company was called Hold Up, and they had this. The, this guy was totally crazy. He was actually had, uh, and and we experimented a lot. I experimented a lot on this. That was another side of my activity. To uh, uh, we used some um, big uh, searchlights from the German army from the from the war, yeah. uh, where we, we we put away all the filters to get more power. And then we, we designed some uh, slides, giant slides in very thick glass, Pyrex, Pyrex, uh, this glass that you could resist to uh, uh, big heat. High temperatures, yeah. High temperatures. And then to project on buildings. I mean, the, it was the first time that we yeah. could project giant images on buildings. And we, we really did that. And uh, this uh, company, they had a kind of truck, like black truck, it's very Batman style. Uh, and and uh, with uh, these big um, uh, searchlights on the roof, and then uh, uh, actually hijacking the facades of the building. And it's actually it's actually what how the Concorde, the uh, Place de la Concorde concert uh, went away with with actually projecting on the uh, Parliament and on the uh, on the facade all around the Place de la Concorde and the Church of Madeleine, the Madeleine Église de la Madeleine, and then we were doing crazy things like uh, for the, that time now you could do that easily but it was also shooting filming with polaroids some of the audience and reprocessing in two or three hours into these glass slides and then projecting also the f- the f- faces of these of the people of the audience yeah. in uh, on the facade so you had a lot lots of crazy ideas that really made this concert very very different and then for my big surprise I mean I remember that at sunset I was just on stage just for for doing things and I saw a kind of real black area on the Champs-Elysées and I I thought it was the the shadow of the sun and it was actually the crowd and I, 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 I couldn't believe it and then I was actually absolutely terrified by this because it was absolutely unexpected but for me it was just a kind of more or less underground experimentation yeah. and then one million people came along and uh, it took me really a long time to recover that and I remember that after the show I mean um, somebody came to me and he, he, he was look he had looked like he looked like Fidel Castro with a very long long beard like this I said man I never saw that in my life it's absolutely crazy and all that and I said oh, thank you and and then after that somebody told me you know what who he was I said no it was Mick Jagger and Mick actually went there I don't know why he has this kind of crazy beard he was filming something it was it would have been for the Australian cowboy Thing ah with, uh, yes, that's maybe. right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then after we we talked about that later on, and and it was quite quite crazy. It was quite quite an evening that I remember that you had no 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 toilets and was blocked, 
and then I had to open, you know, in the street, the, the, the uh, thing to go to the, to the, um, so, uh, to the sewers. Yeah, yeah. And I went with a fireman <laughs> inside, just in, under the stage, just to, to have a, a pee. I mean, just da down the stage because I, I was blocked. I couldn't do any, I couldn't do anything anywhere. You yeah, had no yeah. toilets. I mean, this kind of crazy, crazy environment because it was something also, something totally like oxygen in a sense, something which was absolutely not following the rules of performance and concerts and touring. It was something totally different. And then uh, after that, I've been asked by cities or countries or states to stay this kind of project. And uh, very few people realize that I, I never... I never woke up one morning saying I would like to do to do the concert at the pyramids or something like this in a kind of megalomaniac way. It's not not at all. I mean, it's, every time it's something that happened. I've been asked to do such project. I mean, the 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 China project is also again coming from the from England. Is the reason why that I have a, a very personal link with uh, your country, right? Because actually, the, in China, the the British embassy gave. Oxygen Equinox and Magnetic Fields, I think, to Chinese radio. And Deng Xiaoping, just after Mao's time, for the first time decided to open the door a little bit. And then the first <clears throat> non-Chinese music for 25 years has been my music. Was my, yours, yeah. I mean, because, because of this. And I, I recently, last year, met in China a director, a film director, and he said, you know, <clears throat> you have no idea what it was because, and I, never, I didn't know this story. He said, when we knew that a music coming from somewhere else was going to be played at three o'clock in the national uh, Chinese radio. And we, from the morning, we were all waiting in front of our radio wow. to listen to something. We had no idea w what it could be. And when we, li when we heard this music, we, we really thought that this music was coming from out of space <laughs> because it does not, uh, after that, he realized that it was not only like kind of Western rock. It was on top of it, not only alien for our background and our knowledge, but it was also alien because the music was in also linked to this kind of electronic world and all that. And then the concert after lots of crazy stories and difficulties, and, and then I came along because nobody knew exactly who was in charge. People were so scared about uh, doing, organizing something of that scale in China. And then two years later, the, the head of state would change and they would go for in jail for, for 10 years. So everybody was very cautious and we, we, we never knew, I never knew who actually really invited me uh, officially. But then oh, I, I did this crazy concert in Beijing and Shanghai uh, in a kind of uh, stadiums uh, after having visited some other open place, but I think for security, or I don't know. Then it, it, it happened in, uh, in these big, uh, big stadiums. I mean, for, it was like stadium for, for Mao's propaganda. Yeah, and uh, and that that was really playing on the moon for for the audience and for me because the, these people had no were cut off they had no idea about who the Beatles were who uh, Charlie Chaplin was or, or, or Disney characters they had no idea of, of they had no knowledge I mean the last musicians they knew when I did my the first masterclass I went there for a masterclass before before and it was very moving because you had this. Uh, musicians with broken hands, broken fingers. They had their hands broken because they were playing Debussy or Ravel. Right. It was not the music allowed in, during Mao's time. I mean, you know, Ma Mao did much worse than Hitler. 
Yeah. And uh, that was very moving. But they, their knowledge about music, about uh, Western music, was actually Debussy Ravel's time. They had no idea about what about anything else. Yeah. That's fascinating. And the way that you chose to present yourself as well, what I mean is, for Concord, you're on your own, sort of playing lead lines. Yeah. And then come China, you have musicians we with four, you. four, yes. We're like yeah. a band, like a rock band. Or more so you wanted to do that like because you didn't want to be just on your own? Yeah, and also because, uh, in, in a sense, I always... It was quite um, ambivalent or quite... Uh, contradiction in my mind at the same time i always said you know i don't i won't see why what you can have in rock music having a, a rock musician a rock performer that couldn't exist on stage it was actually a total anti-daft punk uh, thing i say okay projecting a, hum, a human presence yeah through electronic music but at the same time i always considered uh, that the global project was much more important than myself or the, the musicians on stage because of also the fact that I think involving visual techniques was a, a very good solution also to, to, to help performing electronic music. So, uh, but then for, for musical reasons, I thought it was better rather than being on my own, having also musicians, having electronic drums. I was really fascinated when it was just the early Simmons that's right. uh, drums. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's so cool. We, we must have a kind of a rock, rock drummer, but playing this kind of silly plywood, uh, shiny red and, and yellow things. And it was also the, the Simmons, the first Simmons were the color of the Chinese flag. So I said, it's so cool. We should have that. And then said, okay, that, that could be cool to have a kind of uh, uh, band situation playing electronic music. Yeah. So for you, it's not about you or necessarily about your other instruments, you know, that are very close to you on stage. It's the bigger picture. It's yeah. electronic music. Exactly. And that, then the, even if, if I, I think that I actually, I've never been the fact of uh, taking a, the head of a mouse on my yeah. head to to say okay i'm uh, don't look at me you know and uh, i'm not into this I, I respect that because it's uh, it's fun and it's another concept but i was not into the, this kind of uh, this kind of concept but having said that i always considered that the the show yeah. was more more important than than the, the big picture was more important than just myself or the musicians musicians on stage yeah so it's the fact that you're in a place that wouldn't normally be associated with electronic music and the fact that it's now it has a very wide audience the fact that it's outside and there's spectacle as well you've got you've thought about all the images that are going up and yeah i truly think that uh, without knowing it of course these performances have been really the first one the first ones of of uh, what electronic performances would become yeah through festival these days, when I see lots of festivals, it, that it reminds me of what I was doing 25 years ago, 30 years ago. So the reason why then I moved later on to, to other things, I mean, to try to not to, it has, I did it. So, um, you know, as an artist, it's the same for an actor. Or for, I mean, you did something, you, you want to do something else. Otherwise, yeah. you, it's no, sen no sense to repeating yourself forever. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but for a long time, I've been really on my own. I mean, then the other band or the other artists uh, involving lots of visuals were Pink Floyd. Yeah. But otherwise, 
I remember that Nick Mason said on French television one day, I mean, we, we are stopping and then we, le we leave Jean-Michel on his own. And that was very nice of, of, <laughs> of, of, his, of him to say that. But I, I, I think that uh, I heard that somebody told me that he heard that. I mean, when I, st when I started being involved in, uh, in performances like this, I mean, bands such as uh, U2 or even the Stones, I mean, they, they were just using lights and not really a lot of visuals that later on. So I think these kind of performances contributed to open doors to what a modern show is all, is all about, yeah. mixing visuals, videos and lights and all that. So, you, so you, you yourself thought there's more to this than, or there can be more to this than just a person playing some instruments. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's... Uh, It doesn't make sense. And, and also because the, the, when you're outdoor, the scale is different. Yeah. And in my case also, I mean, the audience is making the whole. And the, the, because it's by, by the fact that the crowd is going to invade one street or one place. And then that, that becomes the, the theater for one night. Yeah. And then, of course, this, the scale has to be different. Then I've been involved in... A, Yeah. I mean, with uh, the, this period of Concord where, where we were experimenting with actually what would become years later mapping and all this. I mean, all these companies now existing, I mean, they, they, lots of them started with me, I mean, experimenting these things. And uh, I should have been more business oriented and, and being, having shares of, the, of these companies <laughs> I mean, these days because they're all friends of mine but whatever then i experimented a lot in terms of visual techniques and because i i i did a lot of paintings when i was uh, i even hesitated with um, uh, between painting and graphic arts and and music and actually it's it's strange because some artists in prog rock or electronic music have been also linked with uh, the fine arts If you take Pink Floyd, Brian Eno, uh, lots of people, so people in the, in the Germany, I mean, people in Tangerine Dream of Kraftwerk, I mean, lo lots of uh, people linked with uh, progressive music have been linked with visual. So in a sense, I've always did my design by, by myself, all the design in, in uh, of course, working with teams and collaborators, but I've always been very close to the, the visual aspect of what I was doing and more and more even these days. Yeah. Okay, so now so we've got to shoot on a couple of years to my first ever concert, age 15, at Docklands. Oh, really? Oh, yes, you told, you told me that. And wow. But the other thing, the, the, thing, the other thing about it was, and I still remember this as if it was yesterday, the, um, the news on the radio that it wasn't going to happen and the disappointment that I thought I was going to go to it and it wasn't going to happen. Was that on the Saturday or something like that? I can't remember. Oh, yes. You yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, one day I will certainly write a book on the Docklands yeah. adventure because so many side stories I, I started to tell, tell you about this last time we met. And uh, the Docklands is actually, the event itself is, uh, is quite crazy and quite spectacular, but all, all the side stories are really amazing. Everything is um, crazy in this, in this Docklands project. And, and actually we are now celebrating the 30th anniversary of it. And, and this is in a part of London, what was actually totally wild in those days. Yeah. I mean, I remember that we had um, a big uh, caterpillar being stolen during one night. Somebody took it piece by piece in one night. So it was really a tough area. Yeah. And the whole idea behind that was to create, because I was really into environment and it was an old, 
statement of using areas in going to disappear because that the Docklands where we, we shot Brazil or Full Metal Jacket was going to disappear. All these warehouses linked to the Industrial Revolution and to, to what makes this part of London so relevant mm. was, was going to disappear f for this kind of wild real estate type of business. And then I wanted to do something about that. I, I, then I had uh, I, Dreyfus, my um, producer and the record company, I mean, was involved in those early concerts. And then he was, he met somebody I won't mention the name, but you met the, this guy, the promoter. He was involved in boxing business. Right. And I never felt this guy. And I never, I said, I have very bad feeling with this guy. And they said, no, 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 you saw, it's going to be, to be cool. And we are going to have a, uh, 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 to, to do this. He has an idea and all that. And, and to, to, to organize the concert. I said, okay, we're with the partner you work with. After a while, you say, okay, if you, if you feel it, uh, let's go. But I was not sure. And I was, Bloody right. <laughs> and then, then three weeks before, we, were, we went with a crew of 350 people over yeah. there. And then we discovered that the guy forgot to, to, to uh, ask an entertainment license that you need when you oh are in an out, outdoor place. And there is a, a regulation, there was a regulation in those days where the borough is uh, quite small. Most of the time you go and you, get, you ask for paper. But then you, you ask yeah, in this borough and small, in small boroughs with obscure regulations, I don't exactly uh, uh, control uh, or, or understand even. You, you had to ask 12 guys from the borough to vote for or against the project. And in, in, the, in the Newham borough, you had in those days <clears throat> 85 different language groups. So the 12 guys, almost none of them were able to speak English. So when they voted, they didn't vote against me or for the project we had because they have actually no, no knowledge and no, no uh, information about that. They just voted against the system, against the mayor, against the, the area. And, yeah. and then <laughs> the, 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 old, the old, old, pro old project collapsed. And then I remember that we were in this... Uh, very small city hall with all the media in, in, in front of the, of the door. Uh, so I had really 25 seconds to think about what I was going to say. And then it just came like this saying, you know, I'm really shocked by the fact that as a French, I love the, 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 the traditional sense of welcome of, of England. Give me a venue and I will do the, the show anywhere. And at that time, the, just this statement, I got suddenly the Royal Navy proposing a boat. So many people proposing the backyard of the garden. And then, then some of the cities very happy to, to be against London. And, and then uh, we had proposal from, uh, from Birmingham, from Manchester, from lots of different cities. And then we started to go with helicopters from one city to another with meeting the mayor, meeting the head of the police and then to say, okay, Come, come, uh, come to, uh, to our town. And uh, then to cut this very long story short, because just, to, just this topic we could take half a day. At the same moment, then Robert Maxwell contacted me because then he knew that I was, um, a, I was going to do a, a, the big concert for the bicentennial of the French Revolution. And in those days, he wanted to launch a tabloid in, in France. 
Right, did he? So suddenly he was very interested to my uh, case. Yeah. I met him and he was like a total serial encounter. And uh, then he said, okay, I'm going to back the project. And from now, you will have the front page of the Daily Mirror and all my group every day. And, and then suddenly started to be like this, crazy. And on top of it, at the same time, Princess Diana was, uh, I met her a few times before, and I discovered that she was a fan of my music and she really knew some of my albums quite well and we, we became quite good friends. And, and she always told me, when you play London, I will come. And in the middle of this chaos... She sent me a note saying, I really apologize for what, what's happening. Of course, I can't, do any, I can't do anything, but if it happens, I will be there. So when, by the end of the day, this whole uh, project changed, with lots of events that I, I, it took me too long, but I will write, I said, a, a book on this one day, because so many things, crazy things happened. Yeah. It then finally happened. We had also to organize a royal box in this middle of chaos to welcome uh, Princess Diana. And then when we had the go-ahead, instead of a late summer gig, it became an early fall gig, which is in London means rain. Yeah. Means a total, and then suddenly it became like, uh, like the At Atlantic Ocean, the same, and, and the, the canal where, we, where the stage was, became like uh, the Atlantic Ocean in, in winter yeah. with waves that nobody saw before. And then the, the, the Navy came and said they decided that the stage should be considered as a boat, so we should have safety jackets. On, on Everybody should wear safety jackets. So I had some people from the London Symphonic Orchestra involved, so they had to wear safety jackets. And I remember the stage manager being in, interviewed by, by the BBC and, and the, or by, by somebody saying, OK, but in case of rain, what would you do? And the guy, in a very cool way, said, in case of rain, we'll have umbrellas from Harrods. <laughs> and you know, this whole thing, I mean, I could go on and on and on with this project. And then after the security said, okay, but the problem now is you have one road for the Docklands and with all this advertising and, and everybody's talking about it, we'll have so many people outside that uh, uh, is going to create a, a chaos and it's a real problem. And I said, as almost as a joke, but you know, maybe we could do a second day and then the people being blocked the first day could come then to attend to the show the second day. So it's a very good idea. So you, you have to, and the, the police asked me, it's true. Uh, they, they said, okay, let's go to the media and television to announce that uh, it's going to be a second concert, but don't go, don't come. Right. <laughs> it was, the whole thing was totally hilarious and absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And then you had the total chaos for two days. You went there and then you, we had this race like it was like a military camp with mud yeah. everywhere yeah. And one day it was raining dogs and cats and kangaroos and uh, crocodiles and everything and, yeah. and the second day it was freezing cold with uh, wind and what i really admire with the british audience it's i think it's the probably the only uh, the audience in the world you can have when they decide to be to share a project and and whatever happens I mean, you're there, you're, you're here, and, and, and really, I'm going for it. And that was one of the most moving moments for me after all these things. I mean, having such a fantastic audience. Yeah, yeah. really fantastic. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fantastic gig, the first concert I ever saw. Yeah, on top of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and uh, it's, it was really... Uh, really crazy and uh, also using the warehouses and, and this kind of uh, industrial environment was 
really But cool. I don't remember the rain, you know, it's like all those things. You don't remember that. I just remember, you know, the visuals, you know, I, you know, and the good things. You don't yeah. remember. No, no, you don't. No, I, I re of course, we remember that because when you have to go on stage by boat, yeah. you know, it's something that you remember, you know. Yeah. And the rain, which was pouring rain, with, uh, it was really amazing. That's like, but actually, it added a kind of Wagnerian touch to it. No, that totally. Yeah. The second night, maybe you were there. That was the first night. night. You, the first one, where, where it was raining then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've still got the tape from Radio 1, live. Ah, great. From that gig. Ah, that's fantastic. And then I suppose the next significant concert for you, you came back to Paris. Would that be the next significant? Yeah, would you say? And, and in the middle of it, you had lots of uh, political mess in in Paris. Uh, then, where they changed everything, and uh, what I, I was supposed to do in '99, I did it in nine, in 1990. So that was also another side of the story. At the same moment of the Docklands project, and uh, before we, I, I had another. A uh, very special moment for me was the, the two concerts I've done, one in Houston, one in my hometown, Lyon. Sure. One linked with space and this tragedy of Challenger and uh, with uh, one uh, dear friend, Ron McNair, the, the, one of the astronauts who was supposed to play in Weightlessness of Space uh, live. There was a stage. saxophone part, saxophone wasn't there? Yeah. That's right. And then uh, and that didn't happen because of the, the Challenger crash. So it became... became uh, big big thing in america of course it's the, and and then uh the same year i did the uh i've, I've been linked with the sky or for in an, an, another to another reason with the visit of the pope in yeah. my in in my hometown and then that, that was also another very very special uh moment and then after the docklands and then the the paris uh, the paris concert which has been also something Extraordinary because we had two and a half million people. It's still in the archives, the French archives for the biggest audience in Paris. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I still don't really understand why. I mean, I, I have, I had so many people. It's probably because, uh, people had the, the, in days where we are, and it's more and more the case in days where, where we are, uh, we have everything in our computer on, on our smartphone now. Uh, the fact of living, experiment, experiencing something live, shoulder against shoulder, that's, you know, it's not going to happen anymore. It's probably the reason why you have this kind of um, uh, audience. And nowadays, uh, the, in a sense, festivals are more or less like this. Yeah. Suddenly you have lots of people sharing uh, a weekend where, where we, we can have albums that we can have uh, uh, the visuals of the concert everywhere but the fact of being live and and knowing that it's not going to happen again is something very special so from then paris you stage a concert in egypt yeah it's it's uh, it has been been i've, I've done uh, yeah lots of different re concerts uh, between paris la defense and and uh, then i, I did some concerts uh, in the desert i did some concerts uh, i don't even remember now and Moscow was the one, uh, yes, few years later. And again, something totally amazing because it was, uh, we had uh, more than 3 million people, which is amazing when you think that the mayor announced the concert just three months before saying this concert is going to, uh, to be for 30,000 people. Yeah. And then uh, it was 1% of, <laughs> of the total amount, which is still amazing. And, and that makes it uh, two other elements quickly 
what makes this concert very special is another link with space because uh, we had a link, live link with Mir Station and the Cosmonauts. That's the right. Cosmonauts played Equinox because they had uh, the Equinox uh, tape there and then by moving in weightlessness of the, of the shuttle. So it was quite, quite fun. And the other thing is actually, it was the night of um, Princess Diana's funerals. And of course, I was thinking about uh, her. And, and then I, 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 you know, Saturday night in Moscow, it's, uh, it's particularly noisy. Right. Lots of vodkas being involved uh, all around. And then I decided to just dedicate one, one song that I knew that she loved. It was Souvenir of China, that she, she liked very much this, this uh, piece of music. And I, I dedicated that to Diana. And, and suddenly, the old crowd just stopped making noise. And they just put lights on. And, you know, partly in those days, Moscow was quite far away from London. Yeah. And from all Princess Diana's world. And I, it was so moving that actually this, this girl, this woman, I mean, was so, uh, had such a strong image all over the world that even in Russia, with, it's not communist anymore, but it was not that Far away, it was just uh, eight years later. Huh? Yeah. So the the Iron Curtain and the Soviet Union was still fresh there, and and uh, having that, I, I was so moved by that. It's, it's uh, I, I was almost going to cry, and I, we couldn't play uh, against it. It took me me three or four minutes because it was so unexpected and so strong mm. that uh, I, it's it's one of the, my one of my biggest recollections of, the, of this concert. And then the pyramids has been also something else because I was, I mean, being UN ambassador for UNESCO in, in, for a long time and the head of UNESCO said, you know, after Luxor, you had a very bad terrorist act in Luxor in Egypt. He said, we should maybe think about doing something. What do you think? And then it would be good to, to meet uh, the people in Egypt, the minister of culture and all that. And then I went to Egypt and then they got this idea of doing a concert for the millennium. Yeah. And then it happened... Uh, and then that, that was also another saga and night, nightmare, te technically. I think if you, if you play, and, and she knows what I'm talking about because she was there. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, if you have done something in Egypt, you can do anything, even probably on the moon and on Mars. <laughs> and, and just one example is actually, and that was, I have hundreds of anecdotes like this. We were asking for nine power generators yeah. for, the, for the show. And then the following morning, one guy is coming with three power generators and six camels. And he said, what, what is this? I said, camels, very strong. And you know, it was all linked with bakshish because they were, they were perfectly articulate enough to understand that camels would never work. But they, they were playing all these games yeah. just to get some more money every time. And, <laughs> and I remember that... Uh, uh, President Mubarak in those days, I mean, I, I met him before, a few, few days before the concert. He said, you know, I'm really impressed about what you're doing, what you're going to do. But you know what? I'm even more impressed that you are succeeding to do it in my country. <laughs> so that's, that says a lot. It does. <laughs> so from up until then, I suppose, so from 1979 up until Egypt, what would you say was your favourite your favorite concert? that you did? It's very, very strange. I mean, I would say that uh, the concert I've done in my hometown where we put the stage in where we, we, we used to go with uh, my grandmother 
to the marketplace to the it was uh, the very the same place this is something probably very very uh, very special and uh, and also i would say that the docklands because of all what happened and the environment is something so crazy that i will also remember all my life and also the 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 british audience i mean i after that i i did the wembley stadium i did the manchester city i did lots of the o2 lots of and each time i'm so impressed by the way that uh, the british audience is as is this is a very unique mixture of uh, dedication when they appreciate an artist wanting to have fun and also the knowledge of of music i mean it's a country of It's really you are you are a country of of music, not only music, but this is something special. Mm. It's a, and that that that's yeah probably those two those two moments. Okay, and then you came indoors in a way. Actually, I I, I I'm I'm going I'm still going on, and I have I'm working on, on future also outdoor projects. So I I always continued to to do outdoor concert when I'm uh, have interesting uh, requests. And uh, it's also the case for next year and for the coming years. But then it could be also interesting for me as an experience. I mean, doing indoor and doing yeah. tours because I it's, it was something. It's, it's a traditional way of of performing, but for me it was it was a new experience. So I, even if I did some indoor concerts before, like it was in China or uh, because one stadium uh, in China was in, in Shanghai was an indoor stadium. I did I did some of course some some other things like this, but then a proper tour. I decided to to do a proper. Uh, world tour and then because it's, it's another experience but and also now nowadays I mean it's the, 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 the conditions of touring indoor are totally different so you, you can you, you can do things in uh, indoor situation that you can't do you know you outdoor you're, you're not you can't control the environment the darkness the light the smoke yeah much much more in an indoor situation so I've, I've been really I was really interested to do that, and I must say that I really enjoyed it uh, immensely. And, and until recently, where, where the last uh, world tour, I mean, ending with Coachella, was also very unique because Coachella is also another planet. I mean, you have all yeah. the festivals in the world, but Coachella is something something else. And I think in the life of a performer, you have to do Coachella once. And I must say that they've been very nice to me. They they even uh, build the stage. In function of our, of our production, and uh, so that 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 is one of the highlight of the the recent month. Yeah, well, that's great. So, in terms of coming indoors, was the was the first concert the Oxygen live in your living room? Was that when you first yeah that, came that, in? That's why when I I started with this kind of minimalist tour. When I said okay, it could be fun in days where you have uh, lots of DJs just coming on stage with a USB stick or, or SD card to do electronic music like a classical piece, uh, oxygen like a classical piece, yeah. entirely live, without sync, without anything. And, and just the four of us, because we have eight tracks, we have two hands, it makes eight parts. Yeah. Let's do it. And then we went into this and we had a lot of fun doing this. And we're starting with a very small theater and doing like a small theater tour. And then on the way, it became more and more. And then we, the, starting from small theater, we, we ended with a, a kind of arena tour with this and even playing the uh, Royal Albert Hall and, and f some bigger hall. 
and uh but for you that must have been a very different experience because you've for the oxygen line thing that's something where you've got to concentrate very hard from the beginning of that to the end and not specifically consider the audience as much as you would have done before yes yes and no because you know it's like in a in a rock band then you are you always have the three other guys i mean you can uh, you can count on yeah. when you are on your own it's a different story but yeah you're right and and also but i it was coming with all the the thing of of this kind of proximity and i realized that sometimes it's, it's more uh, impressive to play for a small audience very close yeah. than to a, a huge audience because after a while it's, it's not becoming abstract but it's becoming like a, a, an experience it's not the same yeah and but it it's i really enjoyed it immensely that you did enjoy it so it, it, yeah a lot yes yeah and that that that's the reason why that i said okay let's try to experiment bigger bigger tours and then i went back a few times with uh, each time with a bigger production yeah so would that be something that you might consider doing again with say equinox yeah i i, I think that uh, uh you know these days uh, the same the same thing uh, we will talk about this probably uh uh, later, but I mean the same as I consider, for instance, the collaboration project with Electronica, collaborating with people, as a side project I would like to develop. Yeah, I would like to to continue developing this kind of, uh, for me, which is a kind of side projects, considering uh, outdoor events, but continuing having outdoor events and concerts when I have the opportunity, and continuing to develop tours, but maybe also going back to also. A uh, very small theater act, maybe on my own, or maybe I've been really impressed by. Uh, I I saw uh, Ruchi Sakamoto yeah. a few few months ago, and he was really on his own. We went with uh, Louis, and, and we he was on his own, and it was a mixture of experimentation and and moving from one instrument to the other in a very poetic way, and 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 very simple visual environment and I, it gave me some uh, some idea about uh, doing something totally quite different from what he was doing but 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 it's it's interesting uh, more like theater like 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 your field yeah because i mean as an artist i suppose you've you've gone as big as it as it gets so you could do that you could do anything i mean like you know in terms of live performance and if you wanted to sort of scale it down yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, yeah. the, what you're saying is make me think about one project we had with um, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. Uh, I was quite close about him because we, I, I was a massive fan of uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. It has been one of the major influences in my life. And when I was in London, when 2010, the sequel uh, released, and I've been absolutely amazed to see in my, in the acknowledgement, acknowledgements, my, my name. Yeah. So I wrote a letter and then we, we became, because thanking me for, because he lis was listening to my music by writing 2010. Then we, 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 we became quite good friends and I was visiting him at more or less at his, the, the end of his life in uh, Sri Lanka where he was. And we had this uh, idea to to do the Royal Albert Hall together, and where he was in a wheelchair, where I will push his, him on stage with a wheelchair, just the two of us, yeah. and then he will. It will be the show will be basically a Q and A of Arthur C. Clarke asking and uh, asking him about the future, and for instance, what could be uh, and all these crazy answers that he had about visions, and then each each moment would be and uh, would be like the. Uh, Charlie Chaplin pianist yeah. by playing and, and improvising 
during the show. And uh, the BBC was very interested, and lots of people, and the Royal Albert Hall, they were okay. But unfortunately, uh, Arthur couldn't, couldn't travel, because you know, right. he had the polio, and then he was quite weak. So he, he stayed there, but we, we, we never did that. Instead, we did a concert in 2001 yeah. in uh, Okinawa, in Japan, where he was the MC. We filmed him in uh, Sri Lanka, and he was doing saying crazy statements about 2001 yeah. in the front of these Japanese uh, girls and kids on the beach of Okinawa. It was <laughs> totally, yeah, totally yeah. crazy. And uh, that's something that uh, I would have liked. I've always been uh, also part of my major influences have been movies, but also theater. I mean, people like Robert Wilson and Pina Bausch and all these kind of uh, theater for me is is constant source of inspiration yeah. for, for, for even stage design ideas and concepts. Yeah, because I suppose, I mean, you could, you could take it further in that you could start a concert off whichever size you want to end up as being something completely different. Yeah. Because that's something that I always thought of in terms of what you do because of the, you know, because of the instruments that you use and the sound that you have, that, that it, you can start off, you could start off in the most minimal way and then just by the end of it, or go the other way around, you know, yeah. it's a sort of... Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, interest, it's very interesting. I, I, I'm trying to do this in the, the current show I'm, 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 I was just toured with. I mean, where you, you watch the first song, the first piece of music, or the third, the three one, most of the time you go to a, a tour and you know what to expect. Yeah. And in that case, I tried really to make the old stage design evolving where, where you have surprises and things. But uh, I totally agree with that. I love one of my favorite uh, show ever is the, the David Byrne uh, talking heads. I mean, when, when, when he starts just on his own and yeah, then you have that, yeah. musicians coming and, and then the, the show is growing like this. And actually, the new one is actually also uh, uh, fantastic in terms of, I mean, he's a, such a talented guy. Yeah, because that's something that you could totally do. Yeah, this or is have exactly half of the your kind concert of somewhere else. Doesn't even have to be where you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. something. That's exactly the kind of things I'm, I'm uh, interested by at the moment. So we should discuss that. Absolutely, I will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back in the studio with Jean-Michel Jarre next week for another episode.